What is going on, everybody? My name is Nick McHenry, and welcome to another episode of Retail Coffee Break, where we talk all things retail and fashion, business and strategy in a fun and casual manner. On today's episode, I have James Mastrantonio. James started his career on the sales floor at the flagship Valentino store in LA on Rodeo Drive before moving to New York and becoming the brand manager for Giorgio Armani, running several of the large department store businesses in New York. James and I go deep into how he built his career as a luxury fashion salesperson and the skills that were the most important to him, as well as the strategies for building relationships in the long term that drove his business. Why is this an important topic? Well, although the career and job of a luxury salesperson has changed a lot over the years, the core basics of what makes a great luxury salesperson still remains the same. And that is the ability to establish deep client relationships and give the highest level of customer service to keep them shopping with you for years and years and years. I hope that you take something away from this that you can act upon today. I know that I definitely did. So without further ado, James Mastrantonio. I am here with fashion aficionado, seller extraordinaire, James Mastrantonio, who has a storied career across, you know, many of the major fashion brands that define what fashion is today. And uh, we're going to talk about, you know, what it takes to succeed in the current retail environment on a luxury sales floor. So thanks for being here, James. It's my pleasure. Why don't you just get started and Tell me, I mean, I gave you an introduction there, but tell me a little bit more about where you came from, sure. how you ended up where you are today. Uh, my, my initial fashion career began with Valentino. It was the very first job I had in the fashion business. Uh, it's a long story, but I was in LA working as an actor and a woman uh, I met at a cocktail party said, uh, do you need a job? And I said, no, I'm working as an actor. She said, come and see me tomorrow, which I did. And that was a 20 year plus career. And in that process, uh, I got to work with one of the premier designers in the world. And it was in a store initially that had multiple brands. And then I was uh, eventually evolved into the boutique itself with just a mono brand. But uh, I got to meet a lot of people who buy beautiful clothes. And with uh, Mr. Valentino, we had ready to wear and we had couture as well. And when you say couture with uh, Valentino, you genuflect because it was really a spectacular experience. And while I wasn't, uh, it wasn't my prime, uh, uh, occupation, I had clients, especially from Las Vegas, who were opening casinos and they just wanted the premier pieces. So that was my, uh, understanding of that. And as I got more involved and in tenure, I started going to the buy, which, uh, for Mr. Valentino was in Paris. There was the show, which was the grand Puba experience, fashion week in Paris. And then, the best experience was in the showrooms afterward. We got to really see the clothes. The models were up, to, up front. We could touch the fabrics. We could see actually what worked and what didn't work. We got to understand that just in the process. Fast forward to 2011. 
the CEO of Valentino moved to Giorgio Armani and he was kind enough to invite me and I embarked on the wholesale career, which was terrific because I got to immerse myself in the luxury of Giorgio Armani women's clothing. And then my assignments were always in department stores where Giorgio Armani had a boutique. So for instance, in New York, where my primary career was, I was at the trifecta of fashion, Barney's, Bergdorf's, and Saks. So I got not only to learn about how our clothes operated in those boutiques, but how they operated in relationship to the other big names in the fashion business. The client that bought Armani by Chanel, by Zachris, by Laura Piano. So learning product knowledge and customer knowledge at the same time, that was that kind of condenses my career up to date. So you kind of skimmed across something interesting I want to go back to. So when you were in LA, yes. you said a lot of your core clientele were, were in Las Vegas. Yes, I had, uh, because of the close proximity, a lot of Las Vegas uh, people came, you know, owners of casinos, wives, and um, the people who worked for them as well. And they just happened to you know, come to Rodeo Drive and, and pop into the store. Rodeo Drive is only three blocks long. And the best part, I would say, is a block and a half. And what it is in, in Los Angeles, uh, shopping is an activity. Um, in New York, a woman shops on her own and she doesn't want her husband there. She doesn't want her boyfriend there. She It's a private activity. But in Los Angeles, it's a couple's thing. So if people are traveling to Los Angeles, they might stay at the Wilshire or one of the hotels on Sunset, and they visit stores, and once you get to meet them and establish a relationship with them, and I think it's the word trust. That's a word you use a lot, Nick. Yeah, and absolutely. I, and I think that uh, what happened over time, uh, I would meet someone, and I would envision you, the client, uh, in an outfit or something that I thought might work for you after just a few sentences and with time i got better at it and then if someone visits once and was happy they visit again and again and then i established a lot of relationships with people where i would send clothes to them once i met you um you know mrs jones this is a piece that reminds me of you may i send it and then with the advent of cell phones it was easy to send a picture and women are set up for it or not they are okay about you sending in clothes. They might have staff to unpack it and put it on a rack, or maybe a business executive who it doesn't have staff. But they liked the idea because they were always kept what was current. And that was a, I would say, more than half of my business was mail order. More than half of your business was pure uh, consignment. 60, sent to- 61% to be exact. <sighs> wow. Because the traffic of Rodeo Drive is not, uh, uh, like Fifth Avenue or Wild and Heavy. And when you're in one brand store, not like a department store, the traffic is even lighter. So how much at that time, if 61% of your business was consignment or, or sent out, how much was a, a local Los Angeles client? How much was, I mean, you said Las Vegas, you know, many times they're traveling. How much was transient? Sure. Well, I would say that probably about 25% of my business was transient. People that were just walking down the street and would come into a store uh, because they knew it was Valentino right. and there was a product right. that they liked. And then the, the local yokels, you know, the people that I did business with on a regular basis, developed relationships where I tried not to do just special event. I tried to explain to them that I needed to see them at the beginning of the season and let's just organize what we like, what's in the budget. Uh, obviously, when you're dealing with a high-end 
client, there are limitations. There are some people that have them, and I respect that. So this is a good time to mention sale uh, when clothes get discounted. In a store like uh, Valentino, they just do 40% and that's it. Uh, many other department stores bring it down. But I advise my clients, now that I have left the actual retail environment, when they see a store that they like or a salesperson that they can relate to, I think one of the ways they introduce themselves with their business card or their personal card is, I am a sale customer, and hand them your card, your personal card. Please call me when sale happens. Right. And if it's a good salesperson, they're going to make sure that they call you for that. But while you're in the store, may I show you this? This piece may not go to sale. That was my operation, you know, the way I operated. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, um, I was honest about that. I knew some things would never make it to sale. Did you see, I mean, honestly, I, I don't hear that very often. Like, did you see other sales associates in your career extending their client base, let's say, to sale customers versus non-sale customers? No, I saw your face light up when I said it, like it was a novelty. <laughs> and I think a lot of my career, I have to brag about it to you, yeah. uh, was novel. Mm-hmm. And those were things that I thought of because I put myself in those people's shoes. Um, if I went shopping in a retail store, uh, because I worked uh, in the fashion business, I would get discounts from my designer. But I certainly always explained that I was a sale customer right. when I walked in the door. Right. And I could separate the wheat from the chaff. The mm-hmm. good salesperson remembered me. But you did, I mean, because you're a very high-touch, high-service associate. Uh, like Even for the sale customer, you would give them... The same, you know, again. Uh, well, let me just say this to you. The sale customer need, needs more care because dollars are different. Right. And uh, I understood this relatively early on in my career. And there were some people that would not come into the store unless it was sale. I couldn't tempt them no matter what. So I think reading your customer, respecting your customer, and Figuring out what their needs are; mm-hmm. those are the those are the important aspects, I think. And a good salesman knows this instinctively: whether she's selling cars, whether she's selling uh, tabletop, whether she's selling f- fine clothing or fine jewelry. I, I, I mean, completely agree. It's 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 a definitely. I mean, luxury fashion has its nuances, but a lot of things you're saying, I mean, definitely apply to. Definitely any luxury retail environment, for sure. Well, I think that part of the trust and the relationships I developed with people were, I never um, just discussed clothing. I was interested in what they were doing. Nothing intimate, Mm -hmm. but if they were interested in Arabian horses, if they were interested in collecting cards or, you know, something special about them. And what did you do with that, that information? Well, I read the New York Times and the LA Times every single day. And I would just go through it like this. I would pick out the articles I wanted to read, but I had a scissors in my hand. Because by the time I had between, I would say, 75 and 100 people that I could remember those sorts of details, I liked to clip articles out, put it in an envelope, and not even with a note. I thought you would enjoy seeing this. Because how many times uh, does a client get a, a personal mail, number one, Number two, how many times does a client get personal mail where you're not asking for something? It's about what you're offering, not what you're asking for. And that's what made the difference, I think, in my relationship with people. And I mean, that's absolutely amazing. I know I would, I would love to get something in the mail <laughs> that was reflecting something like that. But I, I mean, how much of that did they come? Did they write you back? Did they come back to the store and say, oh, my God, I got 
your note or was well, it more I just say this too i don't know that i could measure it that way okay but i could measure it in loyalty and then i had a ceo who worked for valentina who left and i found out that he was um, discussing this at staff meetings is using it as a technique and at the same time i don't know how successful or unsuccessful they were with it but it resonated with him he understood what a great honest and full of integrity communication that is i i also have to say truthfully i was interested in what they were doing and i loved the idea of connecting them to more information i i mean i i love that james seriously because i i there's one thing to be interested you know on the sales floor we've both been there it's all about hitting your numbers and you know what's your roi your kpi all this other you know metrics that we go off of in retail but at the end of the day you know you said you're perfectly actually caring is a completely different realm than what you just said uh describing the 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 the, the, what's fraught Uh about retail right now i think that a lot of stores are uh, drowning in data Mm -hmm. and i think they're collecting or making their staff collect data Mm -hmm. Uh, there's something called reach out, you know, where um, they're forcing people to go through uh, names that have not visited the store. Uh, I think that that is important. I think there's, but it has to be selective. Right. And I think that every salesperson has to start with one customer. I remember when I landed at Valentino in my very early days, um, I was a bit uh, green, but I did find a lot of interest in the client and I could take a client from selling her a scarf to eventually selling her suit or what other lifestyle stuff she needed but it was all a process Mm -hmm. and I think that's what's missing when you're just collecting data you're not focused on you know what the client's needs are you're you're focused on some kind of measurement right and I, I think you miss something and in that quantification of the customer you know sub labeling them figuring out what the value is to the company you d- it just gets muddied, you would say. Yes, and I think it's a little bit too much time is spent on it as opposed to just a little softer sell. Are you visiting New York? Uh, right. Uh, it's you know it's so nice to meet you. Let them have a little space without asking so much about gathering their data. So so in that method of almost like the soft sell, as you, you, you put it, I mean, how much of that in your career did, you know, did you have small purchases end up being lifetime customers? Did you have no purchases being lifetime customers? Well, I think that you have to ask a a question related to that. What's my day going to be like Mm -hmm. when I'm selling here today? Is this going to be just driven? Am I going to just be concerned about the numbers that my boss says I have to have by the end of the week or by today? There's a lot of sale events or specific events. And I think if you could just remove yourself from that, I know my number is 50,000 for the week. Mm -hmm. Uh, How am I going to get to that? And it's going to be fun and it's going to be positive and I'm going to make sure that everybody enjoys it on both sides because the moment you're holding on too tight, the client understands. Right. They they choose who they want to work with. They can pick and read right away how you're relating to them. And the last thing you want to communicate is you want them <clears throat> to buy something. No, I mean, absolutely. <clears throat> Do you think that, I mean, everything that you're saying is rooted in, you know, traditional you know, almost like core tenants of luxury retail uh, from like when you came into the business until now, obviously a lot has changed. Changes, sure. uh, like how do you feel like that's, you know, caused you to look at the business or changed your actions? You know, obviously you're grounded in these, you know, core principles, but have you adjusted them at all? Or yes, I think I'm more surgical now okay. than I've ever been. I'm, I think that people's time uh, windows and uh, 
bandwidths for selecting clothes mm-hmm. and shopping has really narrowed. So <clears throat> I like to think that I'm the short division salesman or the short division advisor now. What exactly are your needs? I'm going to ask you for a little while. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> Aren't you going to have some? Yeah. I will have some, as a matter of fact. You can edit it out. <laughs> it's very dry now. We are in your apartment. That's right. And that gets back to another part of the selling process. Over time, related to budget, uh, you know, your apartment, and I say this for my clients, there are some people who get to do this because they have the privilege of um, the finances and the wisdom and the taste and the age. But I think your house should reflect what you how you present yourself when you walk out the door. Mm-hmm. I live in New York City, so I don't walk out my door without making sure that hair and makeup is all covered. I want to make sure that whatever, however I exit, I'm representing myself the way I feel about myself. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, though. I mean, so, I mean, it's, it's interesting that, I mean, your apartment is beautiful and, you. And, and you can tell that that's how you live your life, absolutely. How has that translated even one step farther than, you know, when you walk into a retail store, you're working with a customer or client, uh, do you feel like that has an impact in today, today's day and age? Well, I think that uh, people, uh, their purchasing personality, mm-hmm. uh, that you can trademark that right. if you want, <laughs> is affected by their confidence, by how they live their lives outside of walking into a retail store. In other words, we've seen people that bring in all their psychological pathologies with them, and we've seen people who are just there for this sheer enjoyment of, of, mm-hmm. of you know, l- learning about what you have to offer them. Right. And I think that I have always worked in a kind of privileged place, you know, where the product was beautiful, the prices were high, but not everybody who walked in the store was going to purchase something. Mm-hmm. And I think that the atmosphere you create has to be the same for that person as someone who's going to make a purchase. The purchaser doesn't need a lot of uh fluffing or soft peddling. Right. But I think people, when they walk into a retail store, have to be respected. Uh, I remember when little girls walked in, especially in Rodeo Drive, you could see some of them really made an effort. And I took samples of perfume and I put them in a little Valentino bag as they were walking out. I, I, I told one little girl one time, um, and it was more than one time, I said, you know, you uh, when we had a contest today here at Valentino and you won the best dress for the for Rodeo Drive and I handed you the package. <laughs> Well, sometimes they just smiled and the moms or the dads just smiled. But I remember one lady said, no, you won the contest because perhaps I was the first person that talked to that young lady. Right. Which brings up the old retail adage, you never know who the customer is when they walk in the door. Mm -hmm. So remembering that appearance and sizes, all those things have to be put into the right perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. So back to the the changes that you know we're experiencing in, in luxury retail. Uh, it sounds like, if I'm understanding correctly, like the you have to adjust the way that you're you know working with clients, but the core principles, even just like the story about you know you're giving the perfume to little girls at Valentino, I would say is still so applicable to today's day and age in, in the retail environment. Well, well, I think what's happened is. Uh, the people that are selling the product they get uh, the staff, whether especially in things like cosmetics, they're inundated with product knowledge. Mm-hmm. But it's how you interpret it. And I think that it comes with 
uh, you have to have a self-confidence before you can start really promoting anything, whether it's um, mascara or uh, a business suit. Mm -hmm. And that relates, I think, to men's as well. The client today is exceedingly well prepared for purchases. What I mean by that is they can tell right away who's who's clear, who's concise, who knows what they're talking about. When you start mentioning, many times you and I have walked into a store where they comment on your appearance or a bag you're carrying or whatever. Of course. Big turnoff. And um, some people, that's the last thing they want you to do is notice them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they, it, it's much more appropriate to say welcome. I know that I've trained a lot of people, especially in uh, with George Romani. We have brand ambassadors that work in different department stores. Welcome to George Romani was always got a positive reaction. Mm-hmm. You usually got a thank you, as opposed to saying something about them or the other death sentences. May I help you? <laughs> I was going to ask you about that, actually. The answer is no. You always want to make sure that any sentence you ask has a positive possibility. Right, and, and there's there's not a simple no to stop the conversation. There's an extension of the conversation, let's say, a natural flow into how we converse as humans. And getting back to your point about how the business has changed, because a lot of business has gone online, I think that people are hungry for the personal uh, relationship. Mm -hmm. When a salesperson can look at a woman or a gentleman when they walk in, determine what their size is, that's key. Asking someone their size is the first error because it shows that you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then begin to find a piece that you see them in. Mm -hmm. That has been really the key to how I operated. It was always greeting the client, giving them some chance to move around. Very often, uh, that was what worked because most times people don't ask you for what they want or what they're looking for. Right. I think you, I mean, you, you really honed in on something super important. I think you said, like when you said hungry, they're hungry for basically what the internet can't provide. That's right, which is human content. Right, exactly. But you know, on sales floors, I think we often forget this, right? In the sense of they made a cognizant decision to walk into the store as opposed to, you know, they can find the product online. Everyone knows they can find the product online. So even just that simple act, they're already, let's say, a portion there. To your point, I mean, they, they've already basically indicated that they have that hunger for service for someone to assist them in a way that, you know, e-commerce shopping or online shopping cannot. Well, that's the whole point of creating trust and a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, you and I were talking about websites and how trust can be established in print and through photo. Mm-hmm. And someone could understand that they're looking at the uh, website of an expert or not. Right. Or, or someone who's just, right. just beginning. And that was a great lesson for me. Uh, because of doing it for such a long time and mentoring people. I had assistants, I had um, interns, and there was a lot of humor associated with those relationships. But the basics really are, I think, what today's customer is looking for, Mm -hmm. especially because of the online experience. So, So sorry to interrupt you, but in, in, in that context, because you're mentoring people and, you know, there's new people coming into either the retail sales floor or the corporate office, when you're mentoring people, do you just train them on these core principles or have, have you adjusted it slightly for the new digital age? Or uh, The first thing I like to do is understand what your information is. Mm-hmm. How I like to see how you operate. I watch mm-hmm. you and see how you greet a customer and how you touch the clothes. And do you, you know, do you have the reverence for the product? 
<clears throat> that is something that comes naturally. How you put a garment on a person, how you help them with a coat, um, how you begin the process of not asking them if they'd like to try it on, but expressing that th- th- this is something they're going to enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's not like, um, do you want black or brown? You know, it's these are the pieces that this of, of, of a salesperson's technique that really can only be developed from their self knowledge. Mm-hmm. But what I do is basically refine, you know, the you know the yeah. rough edges, yeah. and and just get them to be comfortable about it. I, I think that the most fun of selling is the personal relationship that you have with someone. Obviously, some people are open and fun. Some people are a pill. Some people. Uh, it's a horrible, horrible experience that they have to go and buy something. They just don't like doing it. Mm-hmm. I've met a lot of men and women like that. How do you mitigate the circumstances? That, that's really been the fun of my career. I call it my practice. Right. No, I, that, I, I love that. Um, okay, so just wrapping up here, because we've been having a great conversation, we've been talking for a little while. What is something that you look back on your career? It could be recent. It could be, you know, from years ago that you did something unique in, in the retail environment that I don't know, led to, led to a success. It doesn't have to be a business success or a great client, but something that you're proud of that you deem to, wow, I'm really happy with how I handled that or, or how it ended up, you know, the outcome being, uh, I'm, I'm thinking, I mean, I think that, uh, I have a lot of, uh, positive ones. I'm just sort of stuttering for a second, uh, just because I don't have one to come right to mind, but, um, there is one great story that I, that is rather recent. I was in, uh, as a Georgia Morning employee, I was standing at Bergdorf Goodman, and a woman came in who had a slight, ca- um, her arm was in a sling, something was going on there, and she sat down in an Armani chair in the Armani boutique, and she was looking for her alterations. And I watched, um, one, two, three people come down the stairs from where she had purchased a few weeks before. She knew they were ready today. I think she was called for it, but no one could assist her. A burger of Goodman. They couldn't find it. They weren't sure. Things that made the woman who had patience start to get a little flustered. So I walked up to her and I said, I don't work here. Uh, I work for Mr. Armani. I'm visiting, but I think I know maybe where these are. Can you just wait? So I went into the area where they're all kept and there they were. I mean, it wasn't very hard. And I brought them out and someone put them in a garment bag because that's, I'm happy to do it. But then, um, as she was leaving, I realized she needed help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, how are you getting out of here? Where are you going? She said, no, no, I'm fine. I said, no, I'm going to walk you to the door, which I did. And then I walked her to the cab. Well, a month later, um, not quite a month later, about three weeks later, she came back to the boutique and had a really nice time and made some very nice purchases. I actually forgot what I did. It was just a normal service uh, aspect of what I would do working for Giorgio Armani. And uh, I was quite uh, pleased and actually grateful that she remembered. Uh, I got a nice letter for it and all that other stuff, but she came back and she made a purchase with her husband. <laughs> I I love that story for so many ways, but also just because it's, it, honestly, it sums up what we've been talking about for the last period of time in the sense of there's so much talk now about how much the industry has changed and it has with the you know introduction of online and the changing customer and and everything about the industry has changed but that story right there could have been exactly the same 
30 years ago sure. as it is today and with the same outcome. And I think we have to be careful when we talk about the customer has changed, the business has changed. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Technology, mm-hmm. etc. But I think the basics are, are really the same. Right. I, I think uh, I don't uh, I don't use that expression old school anymore because I would say traditional school. The, the system that uh, I think we have to use is just, you know, taking our communications, our eye contact and finding out what you need mm-hmm. and how can I enhance that? It's almost the basics have become intensified. Yes. It's almost gone yes. the opposite way in the sense right. of the I, basics I, are more important now than ever. I, exactly. And there's something that I truly believe. I think every man, every woman knows what their taste is, knows what their style is. And I think it's just our job as salespeople to enhance that. Just give them more choices. Mm-hmm. And if you honestly believe that uh, a choice a client made wasn't uh, the best one, uh, the answer, you know, the comment is, I, th- I think we can do better. And they subtly know what you're saying. Right. Let's just let's just take this up or go in a, just a different uh, direction. But I think that people truthfully know what they like. They have a sense of what they can afford. And it's just a matter of you to translate the product to what their needs are. That was a great summary, James. <laughs> I, thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoyed, as always, talking with you about a topic that you and I are both super passionate about. So that is it for today, guys. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of Retail Coffee Break. As always, please leave a review in iTunes. I read every single one and we'll start bringing some of them up on the show here. Also, if you want to check the show notes or the video from this conversation, you can go to retailcoffeebreak.com. That's it for today. Go out there and do something awesome.